Thank you for listening to the Hope Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and encourages you in your walk with Jesus. For more information and resources, visit hopeboon.com. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, it's good to be with you this morning. It's good to see each and every one of you. I'm so thankful for the opportunity to spend time in the presence of the Lord together, to pray with you, to see God meet people's needs. This is the best thing ever. It's called the church, and it's God's idea, and it's the greatest thing in the history of the universe. Aren't you glad to be part of God's church? Isn't that awesome? Praise God. Well, as Brianne said, we're so thankful to have you with us today. If I haven't met you yet, I am Pastor Josh, and uh, my wife and I are just honored to pastor this church, this amazing group of people. Uh, How many of you know we're growing? This is incredible, isn't it? Man, I am just loving it. Usually you go into a holiday weekend and you anticipate that numbers dip down and people, you know, go away and you don't know where they are and all this kind of stuff. But I'm looking around and I'm seeing a bunch of faces and I'm like, praise God. It's just good to be here. Amen. Oh, praise the Lord. Well, we're going to continue today um, in the series that we started last week. Um, How many of you, who who can tell me? Anybody tell me what the series is that we started last week? Rest of, wow, y'all are good. Man, that's awesome. Every now and again, I'll get like one brave soul that's like, rest and receive, you know, but you guys, everybody knew that. That's awesome. Well done. Good note takers. We're going to continue in that today because I've got a lot of things that the Lord's dumped in my heart for me to share with you. And so um, I'm very excited to be able to do that. Um, before we jump into the series, let's make our confession of faith that we like to make. And then we'll turn to the scripture and we'll read our, our main text and then we'll pray and we'll, we'll jump back into where we left off last week. So if you're with us, you're joining with us online, you can see this on your screen. Uh, those who are here in the house, let's declare this out loud together. Are you ready? Let's go. Thank you, Father, that today. Keep going. Today, I am growing in the things of God. Amen. We believe we're growing in the things of God. Praise God. Turn with me, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 4. You may remember this from last week, those who were here. Hebrews chapter 4, this is our main passage that we're working from in this series titled Rest and Receive. It's at least a three-part series. I'm going to finish what I assume is going to be the end of it next week, but who knows? Sometimes the Lord puts his finger on something and it's best to just stay with it until he's done. Amen. So this is something the Lord's highlighting for our church. So we'll, we'll talk about it at least this week and next week. And then if we go a little longer, who see? we'll see. Who knows? I got the microphone, so there's nothing you can do about it. So let's read Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1. It says, Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest... Let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, that is entering God's rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. I'm going to read it to you from the Passion Translation. I read this last week, and I think it nails it. Now the promise of entering into God's rest is still for us today. So we must be extremely careful to ensure that we all embrace the fullness of that promise and not fail to experience it. How many of you want to experience the promise of God's rest for your life? Amen. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, we thank you this morning for another opportunity that we've been given to dive into your word. Lord, I thank you that the scripture says that the entrance of your word brings light. I thank you that your word brings clarity into confusion, that it brings deliverance to replace bondage and shackles and chains, that your word comes bringing everything that we need to experience the life that you've called us to and the life that you've prepared for us to walk in. So today I ask you, God, that as your word comes, 
that your grace would also come by your spirit to enable us to rise and become the people you've called us to be. Lord, let your word come and give us grace today to live out and to do those things that you're calling us to do. Thank you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. We do declare we have eyes to see and ears to hear today. Our hearts perceive and understand your word. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So just a couple of quick uh, thoughts here for review. I have to keep restarting my timer on my phone. There we go. Now it's going. You ever do something and your phone turns off and you're like, gosh, I got to open it again and start it back over. That's what I kept having to do. Maybe I shouldn't have prayed quite so long. Oh, well. Quick moment of review, talking about resting and receiving from God. The concept of rest in the Bible combats our selfish tendencies. I'm just going to take a couple of minutes and try to touch on the things that I touched on last week. You remember that we, we started by talking about the selfishness of humanity apart from God. I shared that the basis for this discussion was founded on this presupposition. That is that fallen man always tries to live without God by attempting to be his own source. Fallen man always tries to live apart from God, and one of the ways that he does that is by attempting to be his own source. When you look at the world, the world is constantly trying to be its own source of things like joy, happiness, provision, health and healing, security, peace. The world has all kinds of quote-unquote answers for these things, but so often we've discovered as we've lived life that those things fall short of what God has prescribed in his word. So man, because of the fact that man without Jesus is utterly selfish, almost said shellfish, we're crabby, amen? Yeah, but you see what I did there? Okay, let's keep going. Uh, Man apart from God is utterly selfish, And because of that, we try to be our own source in all kinds of things. We discuss that if we can can solve this issue of us trying to be our own source for everything, then we can get to the root of the issue of lack of rest in our lives. Because I would venture to say that if you are living the modern life, you're probably not resting. Or you're at least not resting enough. Amen. Amen. I told you about the conversation that I had with my pastor, Pastor Jonathan Del Turco, and he was sharing with me that simplicity is the goal. Clutter in our lives makes it very difficult to identify the root issue of things when they become issues. If the table is fully cluttered, you can't see everything that's there because there's just so much there. It's hard to discern. Then we said that we're going to look at rest in the Bible from three different perspectives. Number one, that rest is a promise. Number two, that rest is a priority. That's what we're going to talk about today. And then number three, that rest is a posture. It's a promise, it's a priority, and it's a posture. It's a, it's, it's, when you think about posture, you think about somebody who stands up straight, that's, that's, that's their mode of living. They have good posture or they have bad posture. This is how they live. Well, see, I, I believe that rest is how you live. Amen? We'll get to that next week. It's going to be really good. You remember that I defined the word rest from Scripture, and I said that rest literally means two words, settle down, right? And all the parents of five-year-olds said, amen, settle down. The writer of Hebrews in the verse that we read and the other verses is comparing us to the children of Israel. In the book of Exodus, it calls their intended destination the promised land, but the writer of Hebrews calls our intended destination rest. So just in the same way that God wanted to lead the children of Israel into the promised land, the Spirit of God, the same God, wants to lead you into this place that he's prepared for you called rest. I gave you three different distinct points. Number one, rest is a promise from the Scripture. Number two, unbelief is the thing that stops us from it. And unbelief in this case is is when we buy into the idea that whatever God has prepared for our benefit is somehow going to be inferior to what it is that we can prepare for ourselves. Can you imagine being in the children of Israel, looking into the Canaan land and knowing everything I need is in that land and God's already made it available. And then somehow I convince myself to go, no, we're doing pretty good in the desert. 
We're just going to keep grinding it out here. What a way to live. Yet we do it all the time. Rest, number three, was rest was an invitation to receive God, all that God has prepared for you. And you remember I finished by talking about a, a spread of Thanksgiving dinner. And that I invited you to come to my house for Thanksgiving. And, and the way that you can please me in that moment is to just receive the things that I've prepared for you. Amen. We said this is what it looks like for our faith to be pleasing to God. And for our faith to exist in resting in his promises. Now, today we're going to talk about rest being a priority. How many of you have ever heard this scripture verse quoted before that I'm about to tell you? The word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing sunder the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. You heard that before? It's from the book of Hebrews. I bet most of us don't know what verses precede that, but we're about to find out. Hebrews chapter 4, jump down to verse 9. Staying in Hebrews chapter 4, we're talking today about rest being a priority. Verse 9 said, There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest, that is God's rest, has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his works. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Let me say before I tackle these few verses, the word is the discerner in our lives. The word comes to discern and to decipher the things that we really actually need. Amen. The word is the thing that's going to tell me the difference between what my flesh wants and what my spirit wants and what my mind is saying versus what my spirit is saying and what, what is God saying versus what is society saying and which one of those things is right. Oftentimes we get caught in the middle of two arguments. Anybody ever had this happen to them, to them before? You got two options or maybe three or four or a dozen. And you're like, which one of these is God? And you get stuck trying to discern the will of God amidst the noise and the chaos. What do you need? You need the word. You need the word to come in. It says here it's living and powerful and sharp. It's like a scalpel. It comes right and goes right into the issue of the area uh, or the area that you need clarity in. So the word is going to discern for me. Now, do you know what else it's going to help you to discern? When it's time to work and when it's time to rest. It's so interesting to me that the previous, the whole chapter leading up to this verse about how strong the word is and how it's a discerner, all the verses leading up to that are about rest. The word is going to be the thing, the litmus test, the discernment that you need in your life to tell you when are you supposed to push and when are you supposed to relax. I can think back to when my wife and I were having our kids. Well, she was having our kids. I was there for decoration. And I remember we had an amazing midwife that we worked with for our, for our kids, and, and she would coach Brianne through and say, okay, it's time to push. No, it's time to take deep breaths. The word of God is the discerner in your life that's going to tell you it's time to press forward. No, it's time to take deep breaths and relax. So let the word do its work. Now, let's, let's go back here and read from verse 9 again. Therefore, there remains a rest for the people of God. There remains a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered into God's rest has himself also ceased from his works, just as God did from his. God ceased from his work and to really understand rest and to take advantage of the rest that God has prepared from, uh, for us, you are going to need to cease from your work as well. 
And we'll talk more about that, you know, we'll dive deeper into this particular verse next week when we talk about rest being a posture and a mode of living. But I want to bring some clarity here and set us up to talk about rest as a priority. It says, he who has entered God's rest has himself also ceased from his works. Now, when it's talking about work, it's not just talking about your employment. Okay? Just to bring a little bit of clarity there. It's not talking about just your job or where you get your paycheck from or where you go to work on Mondays. It's talking about this, and if you're taking notes, I would encourage you to write this down, where the Scripture's talking right here about work. It's talking about anything or whatever exists in your life that is placing a demand on you, that is placing a demand on your time, that's placing a demand on your attention, that's placing a demand on your energy and your strength. How many of you have lived enough life to realize you don't have the same energy you had when you were five? All right? We, we're human beings, and because of that, naturally, we live with certain, you know, limitations. I'm not the Energizer Bunny, and neither are you. But sometimes we go like we are. Amen. You say amen or ouch or whatever. Let me, let, me, let me highlight for you a few things that I think are stealing rest from you. Your personal projects. The stuff you do after work right? Maybe you're a project-motivated person. You want to build that fence or build that barn before winter comes and go with Pa into town and get feed. I don't know. Maybe that's you. (laughs) Maybe that's you, Lori Ingalls. It's quite possible. But your personal projects, if you're not careful, any, any of these things that I'm about to highlight for you and outline, all of them are good stuff. It's just very interesting to me that even the good stuff can get out of balance sometimes. Your personal projects. Number two, your kids. Your kids. Amen. Amen. That's right. Thank you, Mark. That was good. Hallelujah. No, hey, we're a family church. We believe, this is, we're, we're all about the family here. It's one of the most important elements of church, in my estimation, is, is a healthy family. But parents, can I tell you something? You need to take a break from your kids. And guess what? They need a break from you. Amen. All the kids, I just heard all the kids church go, amen, downstairs. I remember Pastor Jonathan challenged Brianna and I with that, and Pastor Verna did too. The two of them were telling us, they said, you know, the strength of your ministry is only going to come out of the strength of your home and the strength of your family. And Pastor, Pastor said to me one time, he goes, you know what? He's like, you need a break from your kids. I was like, yeah, I know. And then he hit me with a one-two punch. He said, they need a break from you. They need to be able to go to grandma's house and eat all the ice cream they want and do whatever they want and then come back home to the order and the structure and all that kind of stuff. Parents, you need to be getting away every week with your spouse. Moms and dads, you need to take, it doesn't have to be a $400 dinner at the nicest restaurant where you got to wear a tie. Maybe you just go get ice cream and walk around downtown for 30 minutes, but you need some time apart and some time together. That's what rest looks like. Your extracurricular activities, number three. Again, I'm not saying these things are bad. I'm just saying that anything in our lives has the potential to get unbalanced. These things could be robbing you of your rest, even though they're fun. Amen? Your kid doesn't have to be in every doggone camp that ever existed. There's like a 0.053% chance they're going to play professional athletics. But there is a 100% chance that they will stand before Jesus when they die. Number four, this one's going to hurt. Your consumption of media. Here's here's what the Lord challenged me with, and this is what he said to me one day. He said, you know, you don't have to always have something playing in the background. Because I'm one of those kind of people that I want to grow so badly, and I, I just, I love to challenge myself, and I just... You know, I feel like, man, I've got, so, I could be so much farther in my life. I, that's the way I think. And so, so I'm like, well, I got, I'm going to be in the car for the next 12 minutes. Let's put on another podcast. Let's put, let's, let's go ahead and get, you know, they got these services now where you can get the cliff notes of a book read to you. You can get like the 15 minute version of a book that took somebody 
10 years to write and they've distilled it down into 15 minutes and they'll read it to you while you're driving because who needs to, you know, concentrate on the road. So they're going to, they'll read it to you while you're driving. And I, one day the Holy Spirit just was like, hey man, you don't need to be doing all that. We have forgotten as a society how to be quiet. I'll never forget when I got convicted sitting on our couch. Brianne and I were watching a movie or TV show or something. And I looked up and both of us were on our phones. And the TV was going. And I was like, what the heck are we doing with our lives? You don't need 15 things, buzzers and bells and notifications and vibrations and your watch is connected to your phone and that's connected to all the computers in your house. You can turn the lights on before you get home from your watch. This stuff didn't exist a decade ago. When Claire was born, there was no iPhone. That brings me to the last thing, which is your smartphone. (laughs) I can tell you that if your phone habits are like most of the population, you're not getting enough rest, guys. It's just not happening. Let me read you this. I I read this earlier this week. I thought it was profound enough to put in the message. Scrolling, eating, drinking, more scrolling, Netflix, TV, even more scrolling. This is called living in the state of excessive consumption. Mindless activity that gives us temporary pleasure. This is why most people are addicted to consumption. But do you know what this is doing to your brain? Now, this isn't scripture, but I thought it was very insightful. It's frying your dopamine receptors. It's bombarding your mind and your nervous system with way too much. This is why, pay attention, this is why you can't focus. This is why you can't sleep, why you lose motivation, why you struggle to be present, why you struggle with depression and anxiety, etc., etc. Humans are not meant to be exposed to the amount of stimulation that the modern world forces upon us. God did not design you to do this all day. And we don't realize the toll that it's taking on us because, because we think it is rest. We think it's restful at the end of a long day to come home, plop ourselves down on the couch, eat some food, watch TV until it's time to go to bed, get up and go into bed and then lay in bed and sit on our phones and scroll. We think that's resting because we're vegging out. But I'm here to tell you there's no rest in that at all because there's no stillness in it at all. It's stimulating you in ways that you don't need. This is why people are exhausted and they still can't get a good night's sleep. It's amazing to me. You're scrolling, but you're not resting. So what do we do about it? How do we fix the problem? Well, keep going in verse 11. This is where rest becomes a priority. Verse 11 says, Let us therefore be diligent to enter into his rest. Be diligent to enter into that rest. I did some verse, some word study in the Greek here, and the word in the Greek for diligent is the word which describes an endeavor. In fact, in other times, this is used like five or six times in the New Testament, this particular word, and about half of the other times that it's used, it's described or it's transcribed as the word endeavor. What does that tell me? That tells me that rest and being diligent about rest is something that has to become intentional in our lives. Otherwise, it won't happen. We're talking about something that is intentional. If you do not intentionally create patterns of rest in your life, I can assure you it will not happen on its own. Amen. It's really true. Where there is no intentionality, you can write this one down. I stole this from T.D. Jakes by way of Frankie, but I think I didn't get it exactly right, but it's still really good. Where there is no intentionality, life trends towards chaos. 
In science, they call it the law of entropy, Newton's second law of thermodynamics. When you leave something to itself, it spirals down into chaos. Do you ever leave your bike out in the rain as a kid? What happens? Does it get better? No, it gets rusty. Did you ever, did you ever just not mow your yard for a summer? Does it look nicer? No. No. Did you ever not pull the weeds out of your garden? What happens? You got just as many weeds as you got tomatoes or whatever you're, you're planting. Things left to themselves don't improve. That's, that's the, that's the long-term compound effect of the curse of sin in our world. You see, before, before Adam and Eve sinned, everything blossomed on its own and improved. Now, because of the effects of sin in our world, things don't get better with time, they get worse. Unless you intervene. Unless you get intentional. That's what the writer of Hebrews is telling us. That we need to be diligent to enter into the rest. You got to work to rest. Kind of a funny thought. Where there is no intentionality, life trends towards chaos. Things that are unmanaged become unstable. It was better than you. You missed a great opportunity to say amen right there. I just want to let you know. Things that are unmanaged become unstable. So our rest is going to have to be intentional, and we're going to have to commit to it. We're going to have to make a decision. We're going to have to draw the line in the sand and say, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to just veg out on my phone all the time. Parents, I'm, I'm not just going to let my kids observe me on my phone all day instead of talking and engaging with them. I'm going to go to bed when I'm tired. I remember hearing, I, I'm, those of you who know me well enough know that I'm a huge fan of comedy and comedians and stand-up stand comedians. And Jerry Seinfeld's just one of the greatest of all times. And, and he's got this hilarious, awesome joke about people who just stay up watching infomercials. And it's like two in the morning and you can barely keep your eyes open. But he's like, no, I got to see if this knife will cut through a shoe. He's like, go to bed. Go to bed. <laughs> I'm telling you, comedy, it's my world. I love it. We're going to have to get intentional about not doing the things that are robbing us of our rest. Because God, we read it in the first scripture, there, there remains a rest for the people of God. There is a promise of rest given to us by our Heavenly Father. And if we don't take advantage of it, we're going to hurt as a result. So does God give some practical insight into this? I don't just want to talk about spiritual concepts without giving practicality to it. Does God talk practically about rest? You better believe it. Did you know that God actually commanded people to rest in the Bible? He did. He commanded it to them. Enter the Sabbath. How many of you are familiar with that word, Sabbath? Most of us that grew up in church know that word. Exodus chapter 34, you don't have to turn there. I'll just read these to you. Exodus 34 verse 21 says, Six days shall you work, but on the seventh day you shall rest. In plowing time and in harvest you shall rest. Now there's so much to that last statement, but I'm not gonna, I don't have time to get into it today. But, but this idea that rest is, should be a perpetual part of our life. God designed us to be at rest. And he says, you shall work six days, but the seventh day you will rest. This was a command given as part of the Ten Commandments to Moses and to Israel. I, I like what Pastor Robert Morris has to say on this subject. He calls the Ten Commandments, I love this, God's top ten list. And if you, if you grew up in the 80s and 90s, you remember David Letterman and how he started every show with his top ten list. And it was always really funny. Well, this is God's top ten list. We call them the Ten Commandments. I'm totally stealing this from Pastor Robert, but it's so good that I wanted to share it with you. You don't think it's okay to go murder someone. Anybody have plans to just go out and kill somebody this week? No. Yeah, well, yeah, praise God. Some of us, some of us, 
Yeah, that was awesome. That was so awesome. Been thinking about it. Amen. Come back up. We're going to pray for you again. That's, that's, that's great. Oh, God, that was awesome. No, you don't, listen, we don't think it, listen, we don't think it's okay to murder, right? We don't think it's okay to steal. We don't think it's okay to blaspheme the name of the Lord. We don't think it's okay to do these things, but why do we think it's okay to live on the ragged edge without any rest? Do you realize that, the, that, that God, when he said, you, you'll, you shall not murder, you, that you'll have no other gods before me, that same God said, and on the seventh day, you're going to rest. Leviticus 25 verse 4 says, but in the seventh year, there should be a Sabbath of solemn rest for the land, a Sabbath to the Lord. You might be thinking, Pastor Josh, it's part of the Ten Commandments and we're not under the law of Moses, we're under grace. That does not make the Ten Commandments irrelevant to us, folks. We're not dependent on the law of Moses to save us. We're dependent on the blood of Jesus to save us. But we are not excused from the morality of God's law. In fact, the whole point of the blood of Jesus is to change your heart so that you want to do God's law instead of trying to do God's law to earn his favor. That's how it works. The point is this, God is serious about Sabbath rest. Serious enough about it to put it next to thou shalt not kill and thou shalt not have any other gods before me. I heard a friend, a dear friend of mine who's a pastor tell me this one day. He said, if you don't take a Sabbath, one will be taken for you. If we don't make rest a priority now, rest will be forced upon us later. And can I tell you, as someone who had to go to the emergency room one time because I thought I was having a heart attack and have an EKG put on my chest, can I tell you that all of the, all of the chaotic living is not worth that experience? It's much easier to sleep on my bed than it is to sleep in the ER coming for you this morning. I love you. That's why I'll tell you the truth. So did Jesus, okay, we've talked about it from the Old Testament. Does Jesus say anything about the Sabbath? Yes, he does. Again, you don't have to turn there, but Mark chapter 2, verse 27, Jesus says, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. He's having an argument. Well, the religious rulers are trying to have an argument with him, and they're trying to, you know, talk junk about his disciples. They say they're picking grain. They're eating on the Sabbath. They're not doing what they're supposed to do. And Jesus corrects them. And he says, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. In other words, God designed the Sabbath to serve you, not for you to serve the Sabbath. God did not create the Sabbath as a bondage for you. He created it as an opportunity for you to be refilled and refreshed by him. So, Pastor, what am I supposed to do on my Sabbath rest? Maybe the better question is, what am I not supposed to do on my Sabbath rest? I'll tell you what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to disconnect and actually enjoy real rest. Leave the TV off for 24 whole hours. I'm going to challenge you to do something that maybe you are going to be very uncomfortable to do. Take your phone and put it in a drawer and forget that you have it for an entire day. Amen. Amen. I know that just sent ripples of fear and panic down your spine that you could possibly live without your mobile device for more than 30 minutes. It's stealing you of your rest. It's robbing you of rest. Did you ever do a, did you ever do like a a healthy eating cleanse where you just eat, you know, you just eat like vegetables and stuff for a week? Do you remember how uncomfortable it is at first? And then do you remember how fantastic you feel after a few days? How do you think your spirit and your soul are going to feel when you fast and take a rest from all these bells and whistles in your life that are robbing you? Whatever you're worried about missing, it'll be there tomorrow. 
That's what Jesus was telling us in Matthew chapter 6, by the way. He said, he said don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's going to be filled with its own worry and its own care. Let that stuff go. Sabbath, the Sabbath, is for spiritual, mental, and emotional, and physical rest. And in order to achieve that, you're going to have to turn your back on the world that you know and turn yourself to face the God that you serve. Now again, don't turn it into a bondage. I'm not saying you got to, you know, fast and pray every Sabbath and go and lock yourself in your room and just pray without coming up for air. No, I'm just saying just disconnect from all the things that pull on you. Disconnect from all the things that require something of you long enough to where you can actually hear God again. The Sabbath, I'll say it again, the Sabbath is for spiritual, mental, and emotional, and physical rest. Spirit, soul, and body. Your whole part, every part of you, your whole self needs rest. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that next week and how it impacts each one of us individually. But I want to close with this passage of Scripture, with this verse that we looked at last week. And I want to revisit it just for a second as I close. Y'all doing okay? Amen. You can come on up. Matthew chapter 11. Tim, if you get it for me on the screen, brother. Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30. We read this last week, and in a second, I'm going to have my middle daughter come up, and she's going to help me illustrate this. But we talked about this last week, and I want to, I want to close with it. I want to come back and revisit it. Jesus is talking, and he says these words that are so familiar to so many of us, yet so unfamiliar when it comes to our experience. He says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Verse 29 says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Verse 30 says, because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, this first, you can go back to verse 28 if you like, but this whole thing starts with three very, very important words. Come unto me. Can I tell you something? What is the Sabbath for? It's for those three words. Come unto me. It's, it's, it's creating an opportunity for you and Jesus to spend some time together. Come unto me. All you who labor and are heavy laden, and I don't have time to get into the Greek words, I would so love to, because this Greek word for labor is unbelievable. And we'll get into it at some other time. But he gives us two kinds of people here. He says, come unto me, those who labor and those who are heavy laden. Two different words, maybe two different types of people. Those who labor and those who are heavy laden. Now, I want to I read something for you because this is kind of like an expanded version of that verse based on what the Greek means in here. I'm going to read this to you, okay? Come unto me, everyone who is completely worn out and discouraged. This is what that word labor means. Those who have emptied themselves to the point of exhaustion only to find out that their work was a dead end. All those who are piled high with layer after layer of the baggage, this is heavy laden, of the baggage of opinions, expectations, dead works, fear, strife, and anxiety. Leave all of that where it is and come to me and I alone will give you rest and refreshing and recovery. This is an invitation to connect with Jesus so that you and I can experience his rest. He goes on to say, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart. Abigail, would you come here? I want to illustrate this. Put your back back on. Look at this cool kid. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that right there is why I picked this child for this illustration. 
Say hello to the actress. What does Jesus say? Start over there, okay? Stand over there. I asked her to bring her backpack because it's pink and it's cool. But also because she's going to, in this illustration, she's going to represent you and me. She's going to represent the Christian who's weighed down and struggling with life. This backpack on her shoulders is going to represent all the cares and all the toil and all the hardness of work in this world that's trying always to steal our rest from us. And she's going to be heavy laden and she's going to be weary. There you go. What is Jesus? <laughs> what is Jesus inviting us into here? He says, I'm going to be Jesus just for a second. He says, come unto me. Come here. All you who labor and are heavy laden, and I am going to give you rest. This is, this is an invitation to let Jesus carry your burdens. And then he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. That looks like this. See, your shoulders aren't big enough to carry all the stuff that the world's dumping on you. Your problems, your challenges, the issues that the world's trying to present you with, the constant bombardment of fear and anxiety, the fact that every time you go to work or every time you turn on the news, somebody's got something negative to say about something somewhere. If it bleeds, it reads, Frankie. If it's negative, they'll get people to, to eat it up. You ever notice they don't start the top of the newscast with all the great stuff happening in your neighborhood? It's always like, well, Walmart's on fire, you know? It's like, well, okay. 27 people died, you know? Like, it's, it's always something terrible. Maybe if Walmart was on fire, we'd get a Target. I don't know. That'd be kind of cool. <laughs> Lord, if you're listening. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> That's right. No, this is the world and the world system and the world promises you toil, but God promises you rest. So how do we practically experience that? Jesus said, come to me. What is my Sabbath supposed to look like? This. You got to detach and disconnect. Give all that junk over to the Lord. His shoulders are wider than yours. And then he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I'm meek and lowly in heart. And you'll find rest for your soul. You see, it's so easy for Abigail and I to go the same direction. Because she's taken my yoke upon her. I used to think growing up, hearing messages about this passage being taught before, my interpretation was always that the yoke was, you know, this, this yoke was, was a corrective thing. It was, it, was, it was meant for discipline. It was meant as a punishment. How many of you know what we're talking about when we say a yoke? You ever see two oxen yoked together? It's this piece of wood that they put across their shoulders so that, so that both the oxen can go the same direction. But it's not, meant, it's not meant to be a negative thing. It's meant to be a help and to be a support. The yoke is not an instrument of pain. The yoke is an invitation to walk with Jesus and fall more and more in love with him. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. You see, if you'll learn to create Sabbath rest in your life, you'll create opportunity for this, to walk with the Lord while he carries your burdens. Because otherwise, here, do it yourself. Otherwise, we're just going through life. And, and hey, maybe go walk over there like you're just doing your own thing. Maybe you're just off there doing your own thing and I'm Jesus and I'm over here saying, hey, come unto me, come unto me. But, but you're so busy over here carrying your own burdens around, carrying all the things that are weighing you down and trying to steal the life out of you and trying to steal the joy out of you. And Jesus is just standing over here like, hey, baby, anytime you want, I'm here. 
You can have my yoke or you can have your cares. You can have his yoke or you can have your burdens. But here's the reality. You're going to be joined to something. You're going to be joined to something. You're going to be yoked with something. Do you want to be yoked with the one who came to steal, kill, and destroy? Or do you want to be yoked to the one who says, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly? Come unto me, all those who labor and are heavy laden. I'm going to give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. See, this is the beautiful part about taking the yoke of Jesus upon you is you get to learn from him. Can I ask you a question? How hard is it to walk with the one you love? How hard is it to walk with the one you love? Not hard at all. The only thing that it costs you is that you have to learn to do it at his pace, not yours. See, the thing about walking together, uh, Abigail and I can't walk at two different speeds. We certainly can't go two different directions. Try to go a different direction. Nope. Here's the thing, though. Jesus is so gracious. Try to go another direction. He'll do that. Because he loves you and he respects you enough. He gave you a free will. He's not going to force you to choose him. But when you choose him, He's going to pull you in real close. And then you're going to learn to walk at his pace. Try to go faster. No, 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 no. Just hang with me. Try to go faster again. No, 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 no. Just hang with me. That's what he means when he says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. When you're yoked to the master, you learn the master's ways. When you're yoked to Jesus, you learn Jesus' ways. It's what Eugene Peterson, the author of the, the Message Bible, he called it the unforced rhythms of grace. You learn the pace of what it means to walk with the Lord, but we don't get this if we're not committed to rest. We don't get this if we don't take Sabbath time. We don't get this if we don't disconnect and, and pull away and draw away from the world. This is what's needed. This is what's essential. Remember Mary. She sat at Jesus' feet. Martha was the one busy doing all this kind of stuff. But Mary was the one who said, no, my Jesus time is more valuable than my production time. How hard is it to walk with the one you love? Second question. How hard is it to hear when you're walking? It's easy to walk with the one you love and it becomes very easy to hear his voice when you're walking with him. All I have to do is say, hey, how are you? I love you. You're special to me. You're just perfect just the way Jesus made you. I love you so much. She's not going to get that if she's 20 yards away. But it's so easy if she learns my rhythm. And she's not carrying her own weight. This is what Jesus, thanks. This is what Jesus has invited us into. The yoke of the Lord is not an instrument for your pain. It's an instrument for your blessing, for your rest, and for your peace. He's got a lot that he wants to walk you into if you'll let him, if you'll take some time and have a Sabbath. Rest, it's a promise. It's a priority. Next week, we're going to talk about it's a posture. It's a mode of living. It's a decision you make that will change everything. Will you stand to your feet this morning? Oh man, don't you just love the word of God? I sure do. I never get tired of God's word. 
Just when I thought I got everything there is I could possibly get out of it, he shows me something new. And I see him in a way that I never saw him before. Isn't that awesome? Why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes? As we leave, I want to pray for you. And I want to just give three invitations. I give these invitations a lot, but every time we gather together, I think it's important. So I want to give you three invitations. If this message has meant something to you and and you say, Pastor Josh, this sounds amazing. You know, but I'm not a Christian. I don't know the Lord personally. Never made Jesus the Lord of my life. Or if you're the person who said, you know, I did make the Lord the Lord of my life. I I did pray a prayer maybe when I was younger or The Lord rescued me out of a terrible situation. I gave my life to Christ some time ago, but I haven't been living the life that he's called me to, and I want to. I'm convicted this morning that I need to come home. Or if if you're this person who says, Pastor, what you're talking about this morning sounds incredible, and I want to experience that rest in my life. If you're any of those three people that I just described with everybody's head bowed and every eye closed, would you just raise a hand so that I can see you? Would you get my attention? Yeah. I see those hands all over the place. Praise God. You can put your hands down this morning. Thanks again for listening to the Hope Church Podcast. Our church exists to see people from all walks of life know Jesus, connect and grow, discover their purpose, and make a difference in this world. If you would like to connect with us further, or if you need prayer or assistance, please visit us at hopeboon.com, where Jesus loves you, we love you, and your life counts.